Welcome everybody to episode 37 of the Pixel Powered Podcast. I am your host, Mr. Toasty Toes. More on my new nickname when we get to the addendum at the end of the show. Seems everyone this week has Pixel 4 fever. Uh, everyone may be a stretch. At least three of us at the college had a Pixel 4 fever. Lots of people are talking about it. However, if you look at the press, it was a big announcement last week. It made at the Made by Google 2019 event. However, no new surprises. Well, today I have a Pixel 4 in my hand and I know some of you are saying, uh, I thought you were going to wait. Well, I changed my mind and went ahead and made the purchase and dropped the cash. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about why I did that also in the addendum. So you'll want to make sure and stay tuned after my quick review and ramblings about my new Pixel 4 XL. Before I do that though, I do want to remind some of you that prior to my Made by Google 2019 episode 0036, there was an episode on Gboard. And I think because I launched the Made by Google event ad hoc episode, as I call it, which are typically episodes that were just kind of not planned at the time and just recorded at a spur of the moment, that you may have missed that Gboard episode. Make sure you go back and check out episode 36 for how to use Gboard. There's some great tips in there, some great tricks, and some things that will allow you to get even more use out of your brand new Pixel. So let's go ahead and dive into my thoughts on the Pixel 4 XL that I'm holding in my hands now. First of all, one of the things I'm going to do is I'm really gonna try and focus on the phone and I'm gonna to try to spend less time talking about Android 10. I spent a lot of time talking about Android 10 in episode 27. So if you wanna know what new features are in Android 10, listen to episode 27, and then you can come back to this episode and find out what new, fe new features we're going to find in the Pixel 4. And I broke it down in some categories. The first category I wanna talk about is design. So the design of the Pixel 4 is very similar, very reminiscent of the Pixel 3. There was an additional option this year for a color, which was orange. I would not choose orange as an option, just a personal design choice. I did choose the white. I had a white Pixel 3 XL, so again, I went with that. And I really like, as I've mentioned in the past, a white phone in a gray case. And I'm gonna talk about the case that I use in the uh, a little bit later on in this episode. Let's talk a little bit more about the design. The big feature this year, uh, the design choice was that big square camera bump uh, that includes two cameras, a flash and a sensor. That is really noticeable. noticeable. It makes the phone stand out. It does confuse people. Some people think I have the new iPhone, which also has that square camera bump. I thought it odd that both phones have that. Uh, but it did release with that square bump. I reviewed uh, my old Pixel 3, looked at and compared the size of the 4 and the 3 together. They're almost exactly the same size. As a matter of fact, I think I could have forced the Pixel 3 XL into the case I have. The button alignments would be off, and of course the camera bump would be thrown off. But it is uh, very reminiscent of the 3. It does seem like the Pixel 4 is a successor to the Pixel 3, which I appreciated. The power button has the uh, fun colored uh, pink, pinkish logo. I guess that's their orange kind of button on the side. It is a much easier press than the Pixel 3 was. So I am having problems getting my muscle memory to, to double tap to launch the camera. I'm pressing too hard, I think. I need to lighten that up a little bit. 
So uh, keep that in mind if you're making that transition. There is a volume up, volume down in about the same location as the Pixel 3, so no new uh, feature there. Again, no fingerprint reader on the back, which for me was kind of a disappointment because I no longer have notification swiping. I used to love to take my forefinger, swipe down on that fingerprint reader and see my notifications. I do not have that anymore. A little bit more on that when we talk about gestures. You're also not going to find a headphone jack on the phone. Uh, if you want a headphone jack, please go back and buy a Pixel 3a. Seems that is the only Pixel currently that has a phone jack. Although I will tell you that I really like the USB-C buds, the headphones, but unfortunately uh, this phone didn't come with one. So we'll talk about that here in a little bit as well. The notchless design with a big forehead that you can quickly forget about. You, you do, you do uh, get used to that relatively quickly. Uh, I don't notice that the notch isn't there anymore. I actually kind of like that I didn't have the notch. I think before I, I lived with the notch and it was okay. It didn't bother me. But some people have said that they don't like the big forehead on the phone. Really, people, it doesn't bother me. And honestly, I'm a bit over the notch and chin discussion on our phones. Really, phones have notches or have... Uh, uh, foreheads and chins now. I think that's pretty interesting, but uh, I'm not worried about them. doesn't take away from the design at all for me, and I've really gotten used to uh, that black area at the top of my screen, so you probably will as well. On the hardware side, we have USB-C connectivity, just as we have in the past. As I mentioned, it does not include a USB-C headset, which is a big bummer for the price. Google, you should have thrown in another one. I really don't like that I have to use the USB headset for my Pixel 3 because I was planning on giving that to my wife. Now I have an additional purchase I have to make. It's not as if I'm gonna be able to pull that over. So uh, a, a new USB-C headset is in my future. I'm not sure if I'll pick the Google brand or not. I may just wait for the Pixel Buds in the spring, see if I can hold off until then, we'll see. I, I do like to run with uh, the headsets when I'm traveling. It does include the USB-C charger and transfer cable, which I really enjoyed. It took me about two minutes to transfer data from my three to my, to my Pixel 4, and then about five more minutes for it to download the apps and the updates after that. So we're talking about 10 minutes total to move from one phone to the other, which was really sweet. I really enjoyed it. And thanks to the eSIM, Google Fi service transfer from the Pixel 3 to the 4 was super easy, super quick. No removing a SIM out of this phone, moving it to another one. I just logged in with my Google uh, credentials and it remembered that I had a Google Fi service and transferred that phone number over. One of the pleasures of using Google Fi is that transfer of phone numbers. Stereo speakers on the phone are really, really good for vocal audio. They're fair to really good for music. I was quite surprised. And then for movies, it actually offers a little depth that I was not familiar with hearing on the Pixel 3 for movies that have some uh, really great uh, soundtracks and surround sound. Not that you're getting true surround sound, but there does seem to be a lot more depth to movies and video. And finally, on the hardware front, the Pixel 4 XL includes three microphones that are used by the Google Assistant, by the phone and Duo. I did not notice uh, anything other than it does seem like the Google Assistant is super hypersensitive during a meeting today. It was activated twice and started to talk, and I have no reason why, because nobody was saying, hey, Google, during that 
uh, particular meeting, but it, it was super sensitive and it's the first time my phone's ever gone off in a meeting and it was a bit of an embarrassment, but we all had a laugh out of it because it was a new phone and I got to talk about the new phone. So that's kind of cool. Let's talk a little bit about some other things built into the phone. Let's talk about the processor. The processor is a Qualcomm Snapdragon 855 octo-core. It's really snappy. There's no lag time that I've noticed, but with Android, you never know. Over time, Android has a tendency to get a bit laggy, uh, so we'll see if that continues the trend with this particular phone and with Android 10. I chose to go with the 64 gigabyte model over the 128 because on my Pixel 3, which is a 64 gigabyte, I still had about 10 to 15 gigs left. So I did not see a need to upgrade. So I saved that bit of money. There's also on board a Titan M security module that's adding additional security to the operating system as well as to face unlock, which was which we will explore a little bit later. There's that pixel neural core for artificial intelligence powered image manipulation. Man, is that futuristic sounding or what? But that allows the camera some additional processing so that it can identify what you're taking a picture of and then help to enact actions before and after you take the image. It's pretty impressive. Uh, that astrophotography that you're seeing, a lot of that's from the Pixel Neural Core AI, not so much the lens. So there's a lot of really cool stuff that can happen there. That's probably something that can even continue to be uh, developed and evolved through software. So we'll keep an eye on that. And then finally, for the processor and memory area, there is an Adreno 640 that's handling the graphic processing. And let me tell you, it is fast and I cannot wait to try out some games on this thing. I have not tried out, uh, say for instance, a first person shooter, but I do plan to do that. So that'll, that'll come over time, me spending time with it. Let's talk a little bit about the extremely controversial battery life. Now, not so much for the 4XL, but the Pixel 4 got slammed in reviews for battery life. And I can't vouch for those reviews because I have the Pixel 4 XL. I will tell you that on the Pixel 4 XL, the battery life is better than my year old 3 XL. Now, again, I stress year old 3 XL because there's been some degradation of that battery. But right now, the Pixel 4 battery is everything I was expecting. I'm not having any problems. By lunch, I generally have 75% or more of my battery life. I'm getting through the day. I'm actually recording this a little bit later on early evening. Um, I'm at 70% and it's been running all day. I am not one to leave the device on the charger all night long. I charge when I know I can put it on. When it reaches 100% within an hour or so, I can pull it off. So I like to protect my battery that way. But I think that's pretty impressive. I am looking at already uh, a day. So it's been going at it for 12 hours and I am at 70% battery life. And again, it's uh, it's activated itself. I've used it on a regular basis. I've answered a lot of emails today. I'm not one that watches a lot of video. Uh, so I'm not going to have that to compare against. But if you're just a general productivity user, this Pixel 4 battery life is going to be fine. Now, again, I can't vouch for the Pixel 4, but I have to wonder if the Pixel 4 would be okay for some use case scenarios. Now, it still doesn't say that it's okay to put a small battery, but I do have to wonder if those expectations were just set a little too high for our Pixel phone. I'm sorry about that snap. I keep snapping the case on my phone. I will try and stop that now, he says, as he places the phone next to him carefully. 
So let's talk about that screen, that six point, for me, because I have the Pixel 4 XL, that 6.3 inch QHD AMOLED at a whopping 537 pixels per inch. This screen is the best screen I have ever used. It is, it is noticeably a little better than the Pixel 3. I could see that when I turned it on, I went, wow, that's pretty cool. Now, some of that could also be because I don't have the notch, I have more screen real estate, so that's good, but also it could be that 90 hertz screen refresh rate that you've all been reading about and hearing about. It really does add to the fluidity of the swipes and scrolls. There's been some talk online that that is only activated when you're at 75% brightness or better. I personally can't tell when it turns off and when it doesn't. I'm sure it does, but I haven't noticed it. Maybe I'm just not that sensitive to it, but I just think generally this screen looks amazing. It also comes with HDR support for online video viewing. I will mention I have not tried that out. Again, this is a very quick cursory review of just my couple of days. Uh, also, you may have read some issues about it not being bright enough in the sun. I did get out of my car direct noon sunlight today to check that out and uh, turned it on. I was able to see the screen. It did have to take a few seconds to readjust. It finally kicked up the brightness. Was it as bright as my Pixel 3 XL in the same light? No, it was not. Was it readable? Yes, it was. So there is that piece. I, maybe that 90 hertz screen has something to do with the reason why they that screen isn't as bright. Although we learned from the iFixit teardown that it's a different screen. It's a screen that's been manufactured by Samsung. Samsung. So it could just be a general feature of that screen not having as much nits or brightness. It also comes with a good protection on top. It's a Gorilla Glass 5. Um, I have already heard from a friend who put a screen protector on top of the Pixel 4 and it messed up their motion sense and their face unlock. So I highly recommend against putting some kind of screen protector on it. Uh, Gorilla Glass 5 is pretty strong. You should be in pretty good shape. Just remember, don't turn your screen upside down ever on a table unless you have a case that's, um, that protects and supports it. And uh, again, this is why I use a folio case, which I'll share in just a little bit. I wish I could tell you all the wonderful things about the camera, but I can't. I've just not spent enough time with the camera. I can tell you because I was going to try it out. It's one of the first things I wanted to try. The zoom is really great. Uh, the zoom, remember to use the zoom on the Pixel 4. You don't take a picture and then crop the picture. You zoom in and then you let that, that uh, co-processor do that work for you to look at what you're zooming into and then apply that artificial intelligence algorithm on top to clean up that zoomed image. It works really well. I was amazed at the zoomed images I was able to get. I can't wait to play that with that a little bit more. The camera has not had, in my case, use outside yet. I've not had a chance to do any astrophotography yet, which just sounds so cool. You just have to want to try and do that, but hopefully I'll have some feedback for you soon. The other thing about the camera you need to remember is that you still have unlimited photo storage in Google Photos, which was uh, uh, nice to hear, but you need to remember it's high resolution only and it's not the original RAW, which on the Pixel 3, I believe we were getting original image resolutions. However, for my use case, high resolution is good enough. And if you need the original and raw, you're probably a professional. So you're probably going to step up your game and have a way to back those up anyway. So I think for 99% of the consumers out there, the high resolution, high resolution storage in Google Photos is going to be just fine. 
Face Unlock was something I was not expecting to just really love as much as I already love. It's kind of fun to set it up. Uh, the first time you turn on your phone, it says you're ready to set up Face Lock. You do that. You move your head around a couple of times. And I'm actually moving my head around as I'm talking to you, which is weird. But you move your head around and it, it takes detailed pictures and scans of your face. And when you have enough of those scans, it stores that into the Titan M chip, I'm assuming. I think that's the case. So it's not uploaded to the cloud, so you don't have to worry about that. And then anytime you raise the phone up to your face, the uh, sensors kick in, it recognizes your face and it unlocks the phone. It's pretty magical. I know iPhone users have had this for a while. I always wondered if I would like it. I will be the first to admit I like it. It's pretty cool. The other great thing about uh, the face, face Unlock is that LastPass, which is my password manager of choice, now supports Face Unlock. And it did it by the time I got the phone in my hands in beta. It is in beta, but it does seem to be working perfectly fine. The thing I'm a little concerned about, and, and I still need to research this to find out if this is the truth, is when you choose LastPass, it appears that you lose your Android auto login feature to your apps. You have to default to one or the other. I don't know if that's a feature of the Titan M chip or Android 10 or what's going on, but I want to explore that. But now none of my auto fill-ins from Android uh, to log into apps is working. I have to use LastPass, which is kind of a bummer because I had started using more of Android Auto's login, Android Auto, Android OS's login. Along with the battery controversy, there was some controversy about face unlock. And that controversy was you could unlock the phone with your eyes closed. So the theory is somebody next to you could take your phone while you're sleeping, open it up and point it towards your face and it would unlock your phone. They have access to everything. So my initial question is, shouldn't you be sleeping around people you trust? Just something to think about. Also, the other thing I would say about Face Unlock is be sure to check out the settings. There's quite a few extra settings that you can look at to tailor your Face Unlock experience. I won't cover those, but go ahead and take a look at that. And along with Face Unlock is another feature that's come out of the radar that's built into our phones now, radar in air quotes, and that's called Motion Sense. Motion Sense allows us to use quick gestures to do things with our new phone. And I gotta tell you, there are minimal things that you can do right now. Really the only motion sense we have at this time is music navigation, which really is kind of cool. I had Spotify rolling, I lay the phone on my desk, I wave my hand, I can go back, I can go forward, it's pretty cool. And then it will also allow quick gestures for phone silence, for calls and alarms. As a matter of fact, if you get close to the alarm, as you move towards the alarm, a hand or yourself, the alarm gets softer and softer. So that's really cool. We can only hope that future updates will bring more motion sense gestures. Uh, and some of the gestures that a listener on Reddit recommended, listener Dude recommended that it'd be great if they would add notifications to scroll through documents, I agree, and a gesture to show notifications, which I mentioned earlier, we lost that because we don't have the fingerprint reader anymore. Wouldn't it be great if we could just swipe our hand down and see the gestures? How different is that from actually touching the screen? Not much, but could Google be preparing us for a future where you don't need to touch your screen and we have a purely gesture user interface? I think they're probably working on it. That's just my theory and uh, what I think might be happening with future phones. Less 
physical touching, more gesture touching. And I think the Pixel 4 will be the phone that started it all. The Pixel 4 XL and the 4 came with a new Google Assistant. The Google Assistant works the same way as it did. It just looks a little bit different. It's new colorful design. It's integrated. It's not a pop-up card like we're used, used to in the past. Um, there's talk that the Assistant locks itself out when our phones are connected to G Suite accounts. I did not have that happen with my educational account. So I'm not sure if that's just to specific types of accounts, but it does not appear that that newfangled Google Assistant got locked out with my uh, educational G Suite account. So maybe I'm mistaken about exactly what they said, or maybe it is only for certain G Suite accounts. Overall, I think the Google Assistant is just faster and more responsive, and I think that has to do with more processing power inside. I also like that the Google Assistant is a bit smarter and doesn't need specific types uh, or doesn't need uh, connectivity for specific types of requests. For instance, you don't need connectivity to the internet to set an alarm, so that's built in now. You do need connectivity for things like what time does this show happen? So Google has built in some of that is going to be on processing or onboard processes, processing to speed up the Google Assistant. The other thing the Google Assistant will do, and I think this is a feature of the Assistant, not necessarily the phone itself, but I lumped it in this area. It has car accident detection. Let's please hope I never have to use this feature or verify whether this works or not but supposedly the phone can sense when it has been into an accident and then start that 911 call for you. Another feature that probably will come to other Android phones and Pixel phones a little bit later is that new recorder app that they demonstrated at the Made by Google event. It is as impressive as you saw on that particular uh, video. It works well, transcription is spot on and accurate. A coworker reminded me about that application when I was showing him my phone. I said, hey, I haven't tried it, let's give it a shot. So we broke it open, tried it out. I like that it gives you a general waveform. That general waveform as it's recording is tied to the transcription, so you can tap between tabs to see what that looks like. If you go to the next page, you play the audio, the transcription's uh, words are highlighted as you listen to the recording. So that's really neat to see. It's kind of like the bouncing ball on the song thing, only it highlights the word instead of a bouncing ball. The other thing that is really nice is once you get a bunch of recordings, one of these days you're gonna say, I don't remember who said this thing in which recording, you can search through your collection of recordings for specific words. It works well, we gave it a shot, and just as you would expect with Google, it does a great job searching for specific areas of audio. I am thrilled to say that Android Auto is working for me again. Regular users know I have been struggling with Android Auto on my Pixel 3 for, well, I think it's been about four months now. And I fired up my Pixel 4, I plugged it into the car, and voila, it was all working again. So I now have Android Auto. I'm super excited to have it. I will say that it is more responsive than it was on my Pixel 3 uh, to include uh, the uh, Hey Assistant command. It seems that there's been some improvements in the new version of Android Auto. I guess there would be since four months ago have passed. It seems cleaner, it works really well. I'm really thrilled to have Android Auto back. And again, it is just it, on that new hardware, it's even more responsive than it was on that Pixel 3. So time will tell if that continues, but I'm having a blast with Android Auto in my car again. 
And then one more thing I want to mention that comes with your phone that some people may have not noticed is that you do get three months of Google One, which is their tiered approach to cloud storage. You get 100 gigabytes of storage. But the key thing to remember is not only are you getting just three months of that, you're also getting three months of additional support. So you have three months to kind of get the things worked out. And I think it's smart that Google included that kind of tier next level tier support for all Google phone home or Google phone owners. And I think it's something you're probably gonna wanna purchase afterwards. I know, as I've mentioned in the past, we're at the $2 per month, 100 gigabyte storage tier for Google One. It works well. You can share that with family members. So that's shared between me and my wife. Uh, so 100 gigabytes is plenty of space for us to store our things in the cloud. So kudos to them for at least giving you three months to give that a shot. Earlier in the episode, I mentioned a case. I wanna go ahead and mention that now. I do like a folio case, and I purchased the same brand of case that I had for my Pixel 3 XL, and it is the Fighting Google Pixel 4 XL wallet case. And I spent a whopping $10. I purchased gray because as I mentioned, I like the gray and white. Again, it didn't matter because the case covers it all. But one of the things I love about a folio case is uh, this one was actually upgraded from the 3 to the 4XL. The folio case now includes more slots for ID cards and credit cards. There's also a little pouch for money uh, on the uh, underneath the credit cards, which is really nice. It's a great case. It has a locking clip on it. That's what you hear me doing, tapping all the time. Here it is. That, that snap is me uh, closing the case. So if you hear me playing around with that in the background, apologies. And uh, I love it for a couple of reasons. First of all, I love a folio case because it completely protects from a drop. And because it's a folio case, it completely covers the screen. Now, the other nice thing about this case is it has a cutout for that camera notch, but it also protects it so that when you set it down on a table, even with the camera notch down, it's still probably about an eighth of an inch away from the table. So you don't have to worry about the camera notch getting scraped up. There is Gorilla Glass on the back that's covering those cameras, but it's nice to have that little extra distance between that camera and your table. If you're interested in that particular case, there will be a link in the show notes. You can go check that out. I'll make sure and include that. It is a nice case. I have gray. It does come in uh, several different colors and I'll be sure to drop a link to that case if you're interested in the show notes. And before I give you my summary of the Pixel 4 XL, I posted a request on the Reddit community, the Pixel Power Podcast subreddit. So make sure you go out there and check that out and asked folks what they thought about the new Pixel 4 XL. And Nipper Kid said that he liked the pure Android experience. He likes the Android camera and he enjoys the default app. Some of his downs, he thought there was extremely poor quality control. Evidently, he's on his fourth pixel. Ouch. Sorry about that, Nipper Kid. He's also a little upset that there's no more unlimited photo. We talked about that. Uh, and the video storage as well is not unlimited. And uh, also a little bit about the RCS, the rich communication systems, which some people have talked about. Now, that is not true if you're on Google Fi. If you're using Google Fi, you still have RCS, but we are finding that other carriers are not using RCS. However, if you go to Reddit, there's a hack on how you can turn that back on, even if your carrier doesn't support. Little tip to you from me. 
Also, the last one seen woke said a downer is the, the storage in the 2019. So evidently wanted additional storage beyond the 128. Again, I no problems here because I'm still barely filling up 64, but I can definitely see where some users would want to do that. And also a little upset about the reduced cloud storage as we've talked about. And then one more from Hurricanes Fan 66. Uh, gave us the face unlock, is especially happy that the LastPass beta is working, so a thumbs up there. Says it works pretty well. Was worried about missing the fingerprint reader, same thing that I said, especially as an active runner. Good catch, Hurricanes Fan 66 You're right, especially as a runner, it's, it's always nice to be able to quickly unlock your phone. But as he's finding, as I'm finding, it's actually better because he's not sweating and dirtying up the sensor with his fingers. Also a plus was new gestures introduced. He likes those. Also says the screen is solid. Was worried with the talk about it not being bright enough. He knows the same thing I did. No no problem in sunlight. We're doing all right. A couple of things that uh, Hurricanes fan 66 did like. Oso green shit, or I'm sorry, green. Oso orange shade. I don't know where green came from. He says, while it's good, I would have liked it a little darker. So evidently, uh, he bought the orange. Says he would have preferred the burnt orange. Also doesn't like the camera bump. I get that. Uh, wanted to run it naked. In other words, he didn't want to run naked. He wanted to run with the phone naked, not himself, at least I hope. I don't really know Hurricanes Fan 66, but who knows? Maybe he likes to run naked himself. Why he has a naked phone? Who knows? I'm not going to judge. But he worried about scratching the lens. So he ended up getting the Spigen clear case. And also he said another down is the slippery back cover. Lastly, he mentions he didn't notice any big issues with battery, as was my case. Uh, so he seems to be having the same experience I am. Hurricane fan uh, 60, Hurricanes fan 66 seems to be having a very similar experience to what I'm having. And one of the other things that I like that he reminded me, one of the downers about living in the United States is we did not get that cool cereal box package that came with some of the pre-orders in Europe. If you did not get a chance to see that, would like to see it, I do have a picture in the Pixel Power Podcast subreddit for you to see. So again, thank you to all those subredditors out there who came in and decided to share their experiences. I'm hoping we do more and more of this in the future. And all of you will go out there, check out the subreddit and leave some comments. Your first homework assignment is to leave comments about this episode. I'm thick skinned. I can take it people, but I just really love hearing about uh, what your experiences is and it really adds to the show. So now let's talk about my final thoughts on the Pixel 4 XL. First of all, let me share with you that I did not need a new phone. I stress need, I did not need a new phone. The Pixel 3 XL would have been just fine. If I wasn't doing this podcast, I'm pretty sure I would not have purchased this phone this year. But because I was able to give my wife my Pixel 3 XL, I will say it did help my decision because now we both have Pixels. She was using, as uh, longtime listeners know, a Moto X4. So this will be a huge upgrade for her. I'm anxious to hear her experience. Just the screen alone, the size and the speed should be a big upgrade for her. Um, I would just tell you that uh, there was another reason that I purchased the phone and I'll tell you that in the addendum. My recommendation is if you have a Pixel 3, an XL, or a Pixel 3a, I don't think you need to buy the Pixel 4. I think you may want to go ahead and wait till next year. Wait for one more jump. You probably would be happy with the Pixel 4 XL, but it's not going to be a significant jump 
that you're just going to be wild unless you're really into this stuff like I am. Uh, the Pixel 4, don't get me wrong, it's going to serve me very well over the next year or so. Um, again, because I'm doing this podcast, I kind of feel like I have to have the next one. So my Pixel 4 XL may get handed down after a year again. We may have this standard revolving door of phones now. We'll see. But uh, if you are on a 3, an XL, or an A, again, I'm not sure you need the Pixel 4. I don't think this phone is, is revolutionary. It definitely is not that. And if people were looking for that, they should go look elsewhere. And I think what we're going to find is that the revolutions are going to stop coming from the hardware and it's going to start coming from the software. And this is why I'm more in line with Google than I am Apple right now. Google is so much far ahead on software. The phone is just a now, it's now becoming a platform for the software. And I think there are other things that we're going to see and other things that are going to be released for the Pixel 4 that are just going to knock our socks off. And I'm anxious to kind of have a phone that I can follow along. So we'll see if I'm right in a year from now, if we've seen some new exclusive features that are only available on the 4. Again, I think some of those gestures are going to be updated. Uh, I think there's some battery life issues that can be fixed on that Pixel 4, not necessarily on the XL. I don't think they need to touch that. But I think there are things, things that Google can do in software that's really going to make the phone even more fun and more useful. And then finally, don't count on the reviews you're reading out there. I've seen a lot of negativity in the reviews and I can almost always spot an iPhone user who's doing a Pixel review because I was an iPhone user for years myself. I still have Apple devices in the home. Some of you know I use a Mac, I use an iPad. I get to see these things in action. And I will just say that I can. it always smacks when somebody who's an iPhone user reviews a Pixel device. Don't count on the reviews necessarily to give you the full story. Talk to someone who has the phone. Send me questions if you want some feedback. Really look into somebody who's actually using the phone and don't judge a phone from someone who's had it for 48 hours. I will tell you that those are my initial thoughts. I like the phone. I've told you, you don't need to upgrade if you have a Pixel 3. However, I probably want to come back in about a month and give you an update because I'm going to know in a month or two whether this was really worth it. It takes some time with the phone to understand if it was a good upgrade or not. All right, so that is my quick review of the Pixel 4 XL. Now that that is complete, why don't we roll into this week's addendum where we have a lot to talk about. I want to start the addendum by apologizing for messing you up. I mentioned that this episode would be episode 36. In the previous episode, I've forgotten that I now list ad hoc episodes as actual episodes. So this is episode 37. The previous episode was 36. Apologies for that. Also, if you listened to me last week, uh, you heard me stutter through trying to figure out what in the world those Apple EarPod Bud things are called. And I did this during my discussion and excitement of uh, about talking about the Pixel Buds 2. I couldn't remember the name. They're called Apple AirPods, of course. I think I did finally get it, but it was uh, quite humorous to hear me stutter through that. And a little behind the scenes, I had to edit a bunch of stuff out because I got pretty frustrated with myself. I kept... Uh, 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 yes, doing that right there. And I mentioned in this episode that there was one extra thing that pushed me over into buying the Pixel 4, and I want to share that with you now in this uh, area I'm calling the big deal. So there was a $100 Google Fi promotion to start with for the Pixel 4. So if you're just a Google Fi subscriber, you got $100 off 
a Pixel 4 or a Pixel 4 XL. I received an email, I believe it was on the 21st, that said, hey, congratulations for being a longtime Google Fi user. And they gave me an extra $150 off. And so that brought the cost of the Pixel 4 XL down to $649. I was thrilled. And so uh, that's about as good as I'm going to get on a Black Friday deal, I think. Watch, I'll probably be surprised on Black Friday and there will be a better deal. But I did go ahead and decide I was going to make the purchase. Now, interestingly, though, initially I purchased the Pixel 4. I will tell you, I got a little scared reading those reviews about the battery and came back and decided to give them an extra $100. So I canceled my 4XL purchase, or I'm sorry, my Pixel 4 purchase and added a Pixel 4 XL. So at one point I did have a Pixel 4 ordered, but again, that battery, those battery reviews scared me. So a little bit of researching afterwards, I learned that the extra $150 off for Google Fi long-term subscribers was only available to the first 4,000 subscribers to Google Fi, which was then called Project Fi. I did not realize I was one of the first 4,000 customers on this new service. So that was pretty impressive. And I guess it, it does pay to be loyal to a company. Now, initially when I was deciding not to buy a Pixel 4, I was just looking around and had made the decision to go ahead and pre-order the Google Stadia Founders Edition. I got It turns out I got one of the last uh, couple of hundred of those evidently because within me, the time that I ordered it, I, I think it was less than 12 hours, those were no longer available. So the Google Stadia Founders Edition is no longer available. It's scheduled to arrive November 6th. I'll be sure and mention it in the show and let you know what I think about it. For those of you not familiar, Google Stadia Founders Edition or just Google Stadia is a, a joystick that you hold. It's Wi-Fi and you don't buy a console. It streams your games from the cloud to any screen that's in front of you. So initially it will work on the Pixel 4 and uh, Chromecast or Chromebooks. Those would be your screens where you use your controller to actually load and play the games. I'm kind of curious to see how this works and how you pair those devices. I'm really anxious to try this out, um, but I'm glad I jumped in early because the Google Stadia Founders Edition also comes with a Chromecast Ultra, and I was gonna to have to purchase one of those anyway for another TV. So I just figured, well, I've got a little bit of extra money there on top of that, so it made sense for me to go ahead and order it. Uh, I do like casual gaming. I think it'll be fun for that, and who knows, I may even get into a, a longer game or two. So um, again, Google Stadia Founders Edition not available. You can still get Google Stadia though. Go to the Google Store to check that out. Those of you with Pixel Books need to check your special offers on a regular basis. I'll put a link in the show notes, but make sure you're checking out those special offers because I went back with my Pixel Slate, checked to see if there are any new special offers, and I got Photo Lemur, which is a photo editing. Not so sure I needed that, but I also got Duet Display. Now, if you're not a Mac user, you're probably wondering why I would be excited about Duet Display. Duet Display, if you're a Mac user, lets you use any phone, Android phone or tablet that has this device as a wireless second screen for your Mac. So that was free as a special offer. I'm curious as to why Chrome OS would offer an application specifically for the Mac as a special offer. How do you cut that deal? 
So uh, again, because I'm a Mac user, I'm really excited about it. I do have it installed. I'll be trying it out, but that is available as a special offer. So go check that out. Maybe it's a way to lure Mac users instead of buying a Mac book for them to buy a Chrome book and use that as their mobile device. I'm not sure. I'm not, again, I'm not getting that connection. I mentioned in a previous episode that my Pixel Slate was rebooting. I thought it was a flag. Turns out it wasn't a flag. It started doing it again. I ended up power washing back to the beta channel. Again, I love Google because I power washed and it took like no time whatsoever to have it reset back up and everything seems to be working fine now. And most of those flags are reinstated. So I'm not sure what was going on, but again, a, a quick power wash took care of that. So if you're having issues with your Pixel Slate rebooting, uh, just do a quick power, power wash and rebuild. Uh, you know, 20 minutes later, you'll be good to go. I was actually shocked. I had a question about the free storage on our Pixel 4 devices, whether we were going to get original photo size or if it was going to be that high resolution. So I reached out to Made by Google on Twitter and I got a response, a direct response. I was very excited about that. And uh, I do have a link to that in the show notes, or actually I've embedded that tweet in the show notes if you want to see their answer, uh, which was how I got the answer to the question about whether you're going to have unlimited storage in original sizes with Pixel 4. So be sure and check that out in the show notes. Also, it is Halloween season. Uh, and in um, preparation of Halloween, I'm a big decorator. I did create a blog post on my blog at stephencombs.com that talks about how I used a $50 LCD projector to scare the trick-or-treaters. It's amazing, these little $50 LCD projectors that you're seeing, now they're not super bright and you're not gonna use them for like a home audio or home theater setup, but boy, for what I'm using it for, it's perfect. And also for Halloween, we need to revisit the Google Graveyard, link in the show notes. Go in and see what products Google has killed, and uh, there are some recent ones. And of course, we've learned recently Hangouts, Inbox, but you can go back using this link that I have in the show notes and see all of the things that Google has killed. Lastly, I open the show with my nickname, Mr. Toasty Toes. And I have to thank Reddit user Radiant Wave for that. And he called me Mr. Toasty Toes because I shared on Reddit that I received my local guide socks. That's right, I have official Google local guide socks. So I'm a level seven local guide and I've been posting uh, contributions. Generally my contributions are vi uh, not video, but photos. Occasionally I'll do a review. I have, uh, I think a uh, level seven at about 11,000 points but I received a pair of the blue socks. You have to check these out on the website. I think I posted a picture of these in the subreddit as well. But uh, one guy, Radiant Wave, was jealous and decided to call me Mr. Toasty Toes. And I said, oh, I am so using that for the podcast. From now on, we will refer to me as Mr. Toasty Toes. Well, we won't actually, but at least for this episode, we will. Oh, well, wait, there is one more thing in the addendum that is completely not Google related that I want to share with you. And this was just so cool. I posted a video in the show notes. Somebody went back to a 1980s Christian rock album and found a Commodore 64 program at the tail end of the album. And uh, for those of you who are not old enough to remember, Commodore 64s and VIC-20s back in the day would store their program on audio tape. You would press record to record the program. You press play to load the program. It was a slow process, but it's the way we did things back in the day, kids. And that audio was a series of screeches and scratches, much like a modem. 
And that audio can be transferred into bits, zeros and ones, that the Commodore would read to load a program. And so somebody, again, went back and found uh, this program on a 1980s Christian rock album. So it's pretty cool. I'm not going to give away uh, how they did it and what they did. There's a video in the show notes. I just thought it'd be really cool for you all to hear that and just... It's kind of a cool throwback to the history of computers and where I started in computing was back on a VIC-20. So I was really geeking out over this thing. All right, that concludes episode 37 of the Pixel Power Podcast, where I give you my review of the Pixel 4. Not really a review, more ramblings, as I've said. And uh, we shared some fun things in the addendum. And again, if you'd like to reach out to me, you can do so via email at Mr. Toasty Toes at, no, not Mr. Toasty Toes, Stephen at pixelpowerpodcast.com. There is a link in the show notes where you can leave an audio message if you'd like to do that. Again, you can send a tweet using hashtag Pixel Power Podcast. Hey, hashtag Mr. Toasty Toes. I'll go look for that too. Or you can join the conversation over on Reddit. I really hope you will come there and join us. We are growing our numbers there. Uh, we have tripled our numbers in two weeks, which uh, we're up to, I think, a whopping 31 or in the Reddit room. But hey, it's a start. We're having a good time over there. Be sure and check it out. And remember, I'm posting something almost every day that will be of interest to you. So without further ado, Mr. Toasty Toes is out. Uh-huh.